Well, you are very welcome back to the Jack McDonald Show here on CRCFM. Now it's time for some advice. Some of you may have some problems out there. Of course, we, as always, must mention that this is for entertainment purposes only. Do not take myself or Sean seriously, literally, or in any other regard. But with that being said, how are things, Sean? Well, Jack, how are you? I'm good. I'm very good. Now, Sean, we've got a quite a bumper segment, really, of advice to get you through. It's a little earlier that we're recording this, so uh, hopefully you're sharp and ready to go. I hope so. Let's see. Okay, so the first one. My pensioner dad is turning to drink. Dear Deirdre, I'm worried about my dad. He drinks on and off all day. He's a pensioner, so I never imagined I'd be concerned about him at this stage of his life. I think he might be depressed. Dad is 79 and mum is 78. He refuses offers of help, won't go to the doctor and can't admit that he has a problem. If he would if he would take something for his depression, then surely he wouldn't need to drink, question mark. I'm a 52-year-old man. Mum seems so down about it, and I think she's at a breaking point. On the days Dad doesn't drink, she's happy. He might go cold turkey for a week, but like clockwork, he's drinking and starts up all over again. He's never been violent. He just gets confused with the drink and sleeps. It's a terrible way to live. Sean, what should this guy do? Um, I think you should probably talk to talk to his mom obviously some more about the problem and then um suppose if it's an addiction you can't really confront confront the father um just yet but i suppose kind of mention it on and off to him about the problem and just what, see so how what he, what would that what would that look like oh is having another one you having another one there pop or is it uh something a little bit more serious are you giving them leaflets well maybe just like being like that i know you've got a problem let's try find a way to fix it but not to be like pushing it down the throat and I think mm, it's a diff it's certainly a difficult one to bring up I mean given the fact that he's gone the big with, yeah <laughs> yeah exactly given the fact that he's gone cold turkey one one or two times and he's almost 80 you'd consider that he must know that you know having 10 pints of lager a day isn't the way to live but he just seems in, in engrossed by it I suppose yeah, it's no way to live. Maybe, maybe once or twice every so often go a bit mad. It's okay, but not, not every day of the week. And especially not at, not at 80, I think it has to wind down, doesn't it? No, I think at, even at 24, if I, if I was doing that every other week, I'd be, I'd be a shell of a man that I am now. <laughs> Well, uh, next one, I suppose, uh, if any of you out there have an alcoholic older parent, I suppose those are some thoughts there. Generally, though, uh, from dear, dear Deirdre, she gives the advice that basically you can't get involved, really, that he has to decide to change. So yeah. fair enough. Yeah. Oh, Makes sense. Yeah, next one. I always felt like the odd one out. Now I know I am. This is very good. Mom has just revealed that I'm adopted and I'm reeling at the news. I'm 20 and although I always got on well with my family, the people I thought that were my parents and my two older brothers who are 23 and 25, I've always also felt like the odd one out. I don't look anything like the others. I'm fair and tall while everyone else is dark and small. My brothers are both artistic while I'm sporty and practical. Whenever I mentioned this, mum said it was just a generic quirk. But the other day, I was up in the loft looking for something when I found my birth cert and learned the truth. I confronted mum, asking why she'd lied. She cried and said she'd hidden my adoption from me because she wanted me to feel like part of the family. 
I never, now I feel betrayed and angry. I don't know who I am. What do I do? Sean, I don't presume you're adopted. Uh, no, nowhere near. Believe me. Um, what Um, I suppose, look, um, if he wants to try to look for his birth parents and try to get that information off the mother, after mother and father and see like where they're why the reason he was adopted and um stuff like that and then at 20 does does he have a right to feel or she do they have a right to feel angry about this because 20 is a it's a long time to go you know you'd think they'd break the news a little earlier is you know do do they have the is it their position or or their choice are they allowed to make the choice to not tell them at 20 surely they should have told them no, he should should have told him. I'd say around when they became an adult, like at eighteen, he would have told them. Then I suppose, um, Terry, when you're not in that situation yourself, to know what to say. But um, no, I think trying to like for him to be able to find the parents and then. Uh, do you, you know, think it's a do, do you think it's a good idea to to hunt down the biological parents? I mean, they're kind of sending a very clear signal, aren't they? They're saying, yeah, we don't we don't really want to see you. Yeah, I know, just, just the reasons. Like, I know that was myself. I don't find out why, just the way I am. I'd be like, oh, what's the reason behind this, you know? You'd be searching on LinkedIn and Facebook and all that kind of thing. You'd be, you'd be, you'd be if you found a name, I guarantee, especially in the same age, you'd be like, going to search bears and everything. You'd, you'd probably find something. Mm. There's family tree apps and everything. Now, like, you can find them more now than you ever could, I think. I think it's also bizarre that they mentioned that uh, the whole family is this kind of these small little people and they're this monster, you know, this huge monster. Um, uh, so, yeah, 20, uh, 20 seems a little late to crack the egg, doesn't it? Yeah, it is. Very late. It's just, you just like, realize, like, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, the Deirdre says, try not to write off the care and love your adoptive parents have shown you. Adoptive parents are now encouraged to share the truth with their adoptive child as early as possible. But your parents meant well. Uh, in time, your anger will fade. Blah, 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 blah. Essentially, kind of get on with it. She doesn't even mention hunting down the, I suppose, the biological parents. So that's uh, that's today's star. Now, we've got a few more. Very interesting one, this one. It's less, I suppose, relationship-based. This is a online, it's some guy from India. He's 18 and he's a male in India and he's moving over to the Western world and he's looking for some advice because we, you know, he described ourselves as much more civilized and he's looking to, for some advice on, you know, I suppose how to uh, wash, how to dress, how to, how to live in the Western world. Sean, have you mastered this yet? Ah, yeah, and getting there, I suppose, make sure to always look the part and um, dress well and be very sociable and get chatting to people and build up a network of of friends as quick as you can. I suppose that's what I do when I went to college, like, I went straight in. First day I went, I met, met one lad and I've been chatting to him every, like, pretty much every day and four years later, like, so just to get in and meet people and find stuff you have in common, then you're going to, like, meet more people and through that you might come across, like, different jobs or different people doing different things and you'll be able to expand your um, your network a bit more. Get into hobbies, knitting, boxing, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Mm. I know, like, I know football would be big in India, like, so if you get into, like, soccer club or something, just meet people that way and things like that would be the best idea, I think. 
uh, yeah, and I suppose the fact that he's coming to the Western world is obviously a big bonus. Next one up, uh, this is the story of somebody, again, writing in online to say that they are looking to bring up weight loss to their mother without sounding rude. So this is... This is an excellent one. I love my mother with my entire heart. Her weight has always been a problem. She got gastric bypass surgery a few years ago, yet she still hasn't done much to lose the weight. Now, with COVID on the rise, she struggles terribly. She struggles, of course, as well with the leftover effects and has a hard time breathing. But what really made me think about it is the fact that she could not fit into the passenger seat of my car the other day. It may be just that my car is small, in brackets mini coupe, but it broke my heart to watch her struggle like this. The problem with me telling her is that she tends to take things to heart, and when she makes an effort to lose weight, she finds excuses to eventually stop herself from committing to anything. Growth and change is not found in comfort, and my mom is a perfect example of why. Considering what I have told you, how do I talk to her about this? Sean! You're stepping on a landmine here, but that's why you agreed to come on the Jack McDonald's show. How do we do this? Oh, my gosh. Um, it doesn't say it doesn't have any siblings, no? Doesn't, no, it doesn't say much about the siblings. It, it specifies a mini coupe, which is apparently too uh, tight an entrance to fit through. And that's the, that's the main thing. She's already gone down the medical route of the gastric bypass uh, surgery. So... Yeah, I mean, this is this is a lot about self-will, no more than the pensioner drinking away his pension at eighty. This is a this is a difficult one, isn't it? Yeah, everyone kind of, like I suppose just kind of have to try find the find the motivation and why you want to go and lose and lose that weight. I suppose especially if you have to fit in the past, be hard. Yeah, that is mad. Physically, you mightn't be able to. Do you ever watch them like programs in America and they're on, but like people are hurt. An absolute size and a half, and they're like, they're like, they're my six hundred pound life and all this kind of thing, and they just wash yeah, themselves yeah. with sticks. Maybe like genuine, maybe she physically can't. And it's always great with those programs because there's usually usually either a a huge woman and this kind of small meek fella, or this a huge man and a small meek woman. They they're always <laughs> opposed. It's it's never two the same size. Yeah. No. Uh, so and they, you know what the 600 pound people they always have a partner they always have a girlfriend boyfriend husband and wife and you're going I mean what's the dating strategy these people employ I, we'll have to bring that up with Kevin and Kira on the dating dilemma but back to this and that actually does have some relevance here because of course the mother can't be living much of a life if she can't even sit into a car I mean she can't go many places she can't do much like maybe that's what you have to appeal to her kind of show her that the thing she's missing out in in life yeah like simple things like she's not going to like the beach or going out for dinner she's not going and meeting people and stuff because I imagine if you're that size you're not exactly going to meet people and that makes sense so it's kind of be able to live your life a bit more by cutting down on the pounds well, there you go so uh, Weight Watchers if you see an influx uh, in customers tomorrow morning you'll know why this program driving numbers okay next one Sean this is a little less landminey my hobbies are not interesting anymore video games aren't fun reading books is a forced activity TV makes me cringe the only time I feel excited is watching a game of my favorite team and when I go for bike rides with my friends life just doesn't feel as fun as before Sean um 
No, I suppose with COVID, other hobbies have kind of gotten stale and stuff as well. So it's about falling back into love with them, I suppose, and trying different things. I know before this all started, I wouldn't have had much interest. I used to be a massive Man United fan. And then with um, just with college and stuff, I kind of left that behind and focused mainly on the on the club Gaelic team and the male male seniors. Like just um, as an example, with COVID, now, I started watching watching all the Euros, all the Man United games and Rashford and everything's going on there. So um, I suppose you find something that makes you get back into it. Obviously not as big as the pandemic, but I find stuff that you, that would make you more interested to do different things. And there's always a different hobbies out there, like the most sports and like music, like some types of types of music and that kind of thing. So just so much. Is there things we, that you were interested in as a young nipper that now uh, have faded away? Um... A small bit. There's actually there's been a few TV shows I used to love when I was little. And then um, I used to love. I used to watch them really on repeat. And then when I was in college and stuff, I just stopped watching them. And then when everything that happened last year, I fell back in love with them again. So that's what. Thing, what like, shows are we talking about here? Not Bear in the Big Blue House or anything like that. No, when I was about fifteen, sixteen, I used to love Scrubs. The show about the Americans, American doctors, JD, and I used to watch it on repeat Comedy Central when I was younger. Like, I used to love it. I used to watch something else. It, was, it used to be Scrubs, the Champions League, more Scrubs, but <laughs> literally. So, um, no, that would be one now that kind of made me fall back in love. I still watch now if I get bored, I throw it on all four. But like, nice. In, in, terms of, in terms of hobbies, then, do you think there's a way for these people to, uh, I suppose you kind of just have to dive in, don't you, as you uh, were talking about going to college. You kind of just have to dive in at a certain point. Yeah, I just gotta find something like Christ. Heck it, I'm gonna do it. And um, there's been little things I've been trying to do that I haven't um, gotten around to doing yet, just with them. Everything's been going on with me lately, so hopefully once I get settled as well, I'll be getting to a new hobby. What about learning the guitar? So that's part of the plan. Well, you've got a full-time That's job. You're you're a radio big shot. Uh, you you have a segment on the biggest uh, radio show in Castlebar. I mean, you're a busy man, Sean. Uh, moving county, yeah, I'm busy enough. <laughs> okay, last one, and this is this is the cherry on top. So, Sean, I think you were moving around there. You're going to want to be sitting down for this one. So, my next door neighbor was found dead in his apartment after being dead for almost two weeks in mid July. I'm just really unsettled and stressed. Essentially, this person has found their dead, uh, found out that the person living beside them for many weeks was dead and they have been really freaked out. They say, I guess what freaks me out is that I'm afraid of smelling the dead body smell again, God, and fear like I'm being watched constantly. Also, I'm freaked out that his dead body was 15 to 20 feet from me for the last two weeks and I had no idea. I don't believe in ghosts, but around what, when he died, things have really been falling randomly into place in my apartment to the point several times I thought that something broke because of how much was falling. Last night after he was found it was so stormy and the doors to the building opened to air out. My door knocker kept moving, the sounds upstairs, the neighbor freaked me out and essentially this this person is shaken to the core because as I say the neighbor next next door has croaked it and has been dead for two or three weeks. Sean? Move house. <laughs> that sounds. That's Move yeah. Move neighbor, country. It's get, get out of there and forget about it. Because oh, I would live that myself. Oh my gosh, that's actually crazy. That yeah, is, move house. It is. Get out as quick as you can. 
it is crazy to uh, yeah to be living beside a dead person for weeks on end. Yourself, uh, Sean, you've recently moved house. How did you find that experience? Um, well, the move hasn't happened yet. I'm working up there at the minute. I'm moving next Sunday, but uh, and, and have you checked the neighbours? Have you knocked in? Maybe dropped off a pack of biscuits? Uh, no, I didn't see any of them now. The day I was looking, but um, oh, what's what's the matter, Murray? Yeah, yeah, you want, yeah, you want to be careful because um, this person obviously has, uh, yeah, has has gone through a time. Well. That was Sean O'Hora with the advice column. Sean, of course, is here every week to lay down whatever problems you have. If you email us at studio at crcfm.ie or contact us in the various social channels, maybe something a little lighter than a dead neighbor or an alcoholic uh, pensioner father, but we're open to anything and everything, as Sean has often displayed. Thanks so much, Sean. No bother, Jack. We'll be back after this.